0: Okay, I have one, one last announcement that just came in. We just had a message that the former owners from the Whitestone Cinemas, that the former owner had passed away. And if anybody wants to go to the funeral service, it will be held today at 211 425 and 710 945 I don't know. that. In case if you're interested, I don't know. Hey what it sounds like it sounds like a rebellion in here. What's all that noise coming in? Before the service today I was speaking to a woman in the back and somehow she had Took her eyebrow pencil and she drew her eyebrows too high. I said, You drew your eyebrows too high. She looked surprised. <laughs> wow. Hey, I'm on a roll today, Pastor John. Yay. Uh, uh, That's it. Anything else, you can watch me tomorrow in my special 10 p.m. on Comedy Central. (laughs) I can't give away all this stuff for nothing here. So, um, Pastor George has been preaching a series and looking at Israel and, and looking at how they move forward from the beginning, and we've been following them. And Today, we're going to catch up with the nation of Israel in the book of 1 Samuel, and just as happened time and time again, Israel was in trouble, because no matter how many times God blessed them and showed them grace and gave them mercy, they always went back to their same old ways. And... In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, it says that Eli, at that time, he ruled in Israel as the high priest. And it said he had two sons, and his two sons were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for the duties as priests. And Eli did nothing to stop them. His his sons who ruled with him, they stole from the offering. They seduced the young women who came to help serve the Lord at the temple. And it says that at that time, the voice of God was rarely heard anymore in Israel. The people's hearts had gotten so hard and turned away from the Lord. And they were about to be overrun by the Philistine army. Israel was in trouble. But one day, the scripture said, a woman named Hannah came to the temple. She was childless. And in ancient culture, a woman's value was determined by her ability to have children. So because she couldn't have children, she lost her dignity, her sense of worth. How many How many? thank God today that a woman's value in Jesus is not determined by what she can produce or outward appearance. But if you're a woman, your value comes from being a child of God. Don't let people put labels on you or judge you as a woman. You are valued and loved. And Hannah came to the temple and she asked God and she prayed for a child and God was so moved by her prayer that in 1 Samuel chapter 2:19 it said the Lord remembered her plea God heard her prayer and remembered and in due time she gave birth to a son she named him Samuel For she said, I asked the Lord for him, and Samuel means I asked the Lord. That's why you need to be in prayer meetings. Yes, you could just stay at home and pray, but she bothered to come out, and she found that Eli the priest agreed with her in prayer, and God gave her what she asked for. Sometimes it's not enough just to stay home and pray. Sometimes you get with the people of God and watch God do miracles. And God gave her the son that that she prayed for. And Hannah decided to take Samuel and go back to the temple to do the baby dedication right at the temple. And she took the baby Samuel and dedicated him to the Lord. But not only did she do like a ceremony, but she decided to leave him there. She said, I'm dedicating the baby Samuel, I'm giving him to the priest and letting him live there. I'm giving his whole life over to God. See, here in church when we do a baby dedication, we might we say a prayer, we have a song, you go for lunch. But Pastor George, do we have the option to leave the kids for you to raise? If somebody wants to do a baby dedication, they can't just leave you the baby and they show up once a year with some pampers and stuff. Oh, oh that's Old Testament. Oh, Old Testament. Well, that's how they used to do it back then. apparently we don't play that here. But back then, if you dedicated the baby to the Lord, you brought the baby to the church and said, here, this baby's going to grow up here. And Samuel, he grew up. And he he grew up as a powerful man of God, a powerful prophet and priest who heard from God, and he did his will. And finally, there was a righteous leader in Israel who 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 cared about the word of God, who lived just to please God. But, of course, the people grumbled and complained against Samuel. They said, we don't want a priest. We don't want a prophet. We want a king. We want to be just like all the other nations. And in 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 6, It says, Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. See, it was always God's heart to be the king in Israel, just as it's his heart to be the king in your life. But the people rejected him. We don't want God to rule over us. We want a king. We want to be just like everyone else. And God warned them that if they had a king like everyone else, the king would oppress them. He would take their money. He would take their children and press them into hard labor. But the people kept crying out and asking and grumbling. And God gave them the king they wanted over his own objections. You see, there's a great lesson here. If you keep insisting on getting what God knows is no good for you, he just might let you have it. For example, maybe God promised you a faithful, godly spouse, and you got tired of waiting, and instead... You you insist on, on marrying the jerk you just met, and you kept insisting, you kept praying. May after a while God's gonna say, Go ahead. Go ahead, marry the jerk if that's what you want to do. We gotta listen and obey the voice of God. I've seen Christians fall into scams. Losing heavy amounts of money, pastors and leaders, because they were warned, if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. They're out to scan no, Ah, this is it, this is the real thing. And they kept crying out to God, and finally God told them, go ahead. And the next thing you know, they've just lost thousands of dollars. If you insist on doing it your way, God will tell you, go ahead after a while. There's a warning for us right here. We don't want to do things our way. We want to do things God's way. And we're not going to battle God and argue with him. He might just give us what we want, not what we need. You see, Saul looked like the perfect image of a king, just as the people wanted. He was tall and handsome It says, he was as handsome a young man as could be found anyone in Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. His outward appearance was that of a king. That's what the people wanted. They wanted someone who looked like a king. But over the years, Saul's heart was proven to be full of jealousy, pettiness, and great pride. You see, Saul's greatest weakness was that he loved the praise and admiration of people more than he cared about pleasing God. The opinion of man meant more to him than the opinion of God. He cared more about what people thought. Then what, what does God think about this? That's another trap. That's another warning for us. I don't live by man's opinion, by man's applause. I I would be a sorry person if I cared what people thought and I didn't step out and do what God called me to do. We live just to please him. He's the one that died for me. There's nobody else sacrificed their life for me. There's no other God. There's no other lover like our God. Don't you sing no song? Well, if you're going to sing no song, then you're going to live just to please him. How, How many unashamed lovers of the Most High God do we have with us here today? You see, he's the one that I care. I care what God thinks. I care about what does God think about what I'm doing, how I'm living. I'm not out here to impress anyone. And you shouldn't be either. When, When God raised up a young warrior named David... Saul became jealous of the attention David was getting. And Saul threw a spear at him. And and I'm sorry if there's any leader in your church background that maybe threw a spear at you. Because you became too popular. or Or they became jealous of you. Maybe you got a little too anointed. And somebody threw a spear at you. See, church is not about competition. There's nothing I love more than see people do greater things than I do. I want to see every one of you (laughs) preach better sermons than I can preach. I want you to have more money, more open doors, greater things. But yet in the body of Christ they say, oh, why did that person get Get blessed by God. It was my turn to get blessed. And people get angry. It was my turn. Why did they get the promotion? I should have got the promotion. We get mad and jealous when other people get blessed. This is not a competition. We don't want to be like King Saul. Get jealous if somebody begins to progress. Begin to steal the attention, the glory from us. You can have all my glory. I don't want it. I, I just want to give God all the glory. It's all about him. The scripture says we rejoice with those who rejoice. We don't get angry and jealous because somebody else got blessed and, it, and you thought it's that. You know, this was my turn. I've been praying for a a promotion for five years. Why did that person get? Praise God they got the promotion. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. It's helping each other move forward step by step. If you can't make it, I'm going to come back and pull you up. I'm not going to throw a spear at you. See, this New Testament says that everything that was written in the Old Testament was written for examples to us. That everything we speak about from the Old Testament, this stuff still goes on today. There's still Christian leaders throwing spears at young David. There's still jealousy in the body of Christ. If people can't stop you one way, they'll start labeling you. They'll they'll start making gossip, then pointing fingers at you. That's the spirit of King Saul, and it doesn't belong in your life. That's why we keep some big ushers there in the back. If you want to come here and gossip and point fingers... You go see one of the ushers. They'll help you right out the door. We we don't want no King Saul. They're they're jealous and angry. And, And here's a Christian trick that I see Christians use. If they can't find nothing really bad to destroy you with, they can't find any gossip, they'll go to the pastor and say, There's just something about that person, Pastor. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, but watch that person over there. I've seen leaders in the body of Christ literally create gossip because they felt threatened that someone else was going to take their position. This is not just a story from the Old Testament. This goes on today, and God is telling you right now. No more competition. No more jealousy. No more spears in Jesus' name. We're called to love each other. Embrace each other. Carry each other's burdens. When you're blessed, I'm blessed. It's very rare that I've ever seen that in the body of Christ that when somebody gets blessed, other people get blessed too by their blessing. What about me, God? Why are they blessed? That's the spirit of King Saul. And continually, King Saul, he, he lived a life Of trying to please people, and he disobeyed God over and over again until finally, God totally rebelled against what Saul totally rebelled against what God told him to do. And God said, That's it, Saul, that's enough. You're not going to be the king anymore. I'm done with you. So I'm gonna read from First Samuel chapter fifteen, verse twenty seven. It says, As Samuel turned to go, Saul tried to hold him back and tore the hem of his robe. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the king of Israel the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today. And has given it to someone else, one who is better than you. And he who is the glory of Israel will not lie, nor will he change his mind. For he is not human that he should change his mind. See, Samuel was with Saul and he gave him the word of the Lord. You're not going to be king. You failed, you rebelled, and this is it. And Saul tried to grab him, and when he grabbed his coat, he tore it by accident. And Samuel said, Just as you just tore my coat, God is tearing the kingdom away from you, and He's going to give it to one who deserves it. But the point I want to make is in verse 30. 1 Samuel 15, verse 30. Then Saul pleaded again, I know I have sinned, but please, at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. Saul didn't care that God was angry, he didn't care that he lost the kingdom. All he cared was to be honored before the elders. He told Samuel, well, maybe God's angry. Maybe he's going to judge me. But please don't let all these people know. Walk with me anyway so that people think I'm okay with God. See, that's a religion that's all about appearance. It's all about show. It's all about performance. That's got nothing to do with the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God's about being real and transparent and loving each other. It's not, it's not, it's not about what somebody is going to think. And that's what Saul lived for. He didn't even care that, that God was angry, that the judgment of God had come upon him. His only heart, every one of his thoughts was, oh no, now what are they going to think? I don't care what God thinks. I care about what my elders think. So Samuel, please walk with me anyway so that I can be honored among my friends. See, that's the heart of Saul, and that's the heart of too many in the church, too many in the body of Christ. This isn't just a story from four or 5,000 years ago about some idiot king. I see this played out over and over. People worried about where they're going to sit, who uses their title. Oh, you didn't call me Reverend, Doctor, Pastor. You, you just called me Doctor. You disrespected me in front of all those people. You didn't ask me to pray. You didn't this. For so many, it's all about putting, giving a good impression. Being a Christian's not about an impression. It's about living a life submitted to God. He laid down his life. He gave all for you. He sacrificed it all. And we want to give it all back to him. Well, I'm going to fast forward now in the history of Israel. I'm going to go... All the way to the end of Pastor George's sermon series, I'm skipping it all. Pastor George, I'm going forward a thousand years, so you, nobody has to come the next couple months, right? We just bypassing Derek. See if he's laughing. Where, where's Derek? He's laughing. Okay. I got worried for a second. I'm fast forwarding a thousand years in Israel's history. Once again, Israel was in trouble, just as they always are. No matter what point that, that you begin to read about Israel, they're always in trouble. Well, a thousand years later, they were being oppressed by the Roman Empire, they had lost their freedom. They were being trampled on by the, by the Roman army. And once again, the people cried out to God to send them a king to save them, just as they did back in the days of Samuel and Saul. And once again, God heard them. And once again, God offered himself to be their king. In the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the people cried out for a king. They said, God, send a king to save us. And God himself came down from heaven into Israel and said, I will be your king. And once again, the people rejected God's offer because Jesus didn't look like a king The scripture said there was nothing special in his appearance. He came to earth ready to love and heal and restore and seek and save that which was lost. But Israel was looking for a king just like all the other nations had. They were looking for a military general with a bandana on his head and a dagger in between his teeth like Rambo. See, that's the kind of king they were looking for. They were looking for a military giant who was going to lead them out of bondage. And they rejected God Himself. He said, One more time, I'm going to make the offer. I'm coming down from heaven. God himself came down because he heard the cries of Israel. He saw their pain. He said, "I will be your king." And they rejected him again. We don't want God as our king. And the religious leaders that reject called the Pharisees that rejected Jesus were an exact picture of king Saul. If you read through Israel's history, it's just the same cycle, the same pattern, the same people, same clowns, different circus. (laughs) And everything the Pharisees did, just like Saul, was with the goal of impressing people and being the center of attention. The scripture says... They loved the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They loved to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbis. And, he, and Jesus talked about them. He said they love praise from men more than praise from God. The Pharisees, Those who became the people of God, the religious leaders, were just like Saul. Everything was about, you've got to honor me. Every now and then when I'm standing in the back, some big shot from somewhere will walk in with a nice suit and a big Bible and come up to me and say, where's my seat? expecting to be escorted up to the place. I say, go sit anywhere you want. Boy, did they look shocked. You see, we don't have no elitism in this church. Even King David, who you'll hear about next week, he was a powerful king. He had a robe and a crown, but when he went to worship God, he took the crown, and he threw it in the ground, and he took off his robe, and he began to dance. Why? Because maybe before people, being a king meant something. But before God, he's not impressed with your title. He don't care if you're no king. He's looking for worshipers. He's not looking for big shots and superstars. He's looking for a bunch of unnamed nobodies who's willing to lay down everything and just worship him. (laughs) If you care about where you're going to sit, and somebody didn't use my title, even Hannah When she came to pray in the temple, she got desperate for God. And she cried out so much that they accused her of being drunk. She didn't care. She didn't go to the temple to please people. She came to seek God. Yet I see people who need to come up to the altar for prayer who don't come. I see them look, over; oh, somebody might think something. I see leaders all over the world who never acknowledge a need for prayer because they've got to give the impression that they're super, super spiritual heroes. They, you don't exist. In the kingdom of God, the Bible says we're all equal before him. The scripture says if some rich celebrity comes in and you give them the seat of honor and then a homeless person comes in and you tell them go sit in the back somewhere that you've dishonored God and the body of Christ. You see, God has given everyone dignity. He has given you honor where you never deserved it. People called you names. They kicked you around. And God honored you by making you his son, his child, his daughter. You see, the apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 he said, obviously, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. No, I am trying to please God. If I was still trying to please God, I would not be Christ's servant. And, and just, as, just as Saul tried to kill David out of the jealousy... The Pharisees determined that they were going to kill Jesus. The same thing. The same jealousy. They were willing to kill God himself if they stood in the way of their pride and position. We got to lay it all down right now. The Bible says we got to take off that crown of pride. Anything that makes us think of that we're special because of anything that God loves us. That's the only thing in this world that makes you special, that gives you your value. It's the heart of the King of kings and Lord of lords who loves you with all his heart and all his soul and all his might. Yesterday I was speaking with Lee. And she had a dream, and it perfectly lined up with what I was speaking about. So I asked her if you could come and share the dream, because it just couldn't be a coincidence that she had this dream at the same moment I was preparing.
1: Last night, oh, two nights ago, I had a dream that a man I once knew who was a pastor gave me this designer bag. He gave it to me like a husband gives his wife a fancy gift. He gave it to me with the intention of trying to impress me. But my own husband was standing um, right beside me, and suffice to say, it was very awkward. This pastor that I used to know was offering me this gift in front of my husband, and trying to almost one-up him. Like as if to say, I could give this to her, but you can't afford this. It was one of those really nice designer bags that cost thousands and thousands of dollars. Right? So he looked at me with this look. And almost he was, he was looking at, he, he was almost like, you know, like a male peacock who flares its feathers to get attention. Well, that was the intent of this pastor's heart. I didn't want to take it. And when I kept refusing it, all he ke- I kept saying, I don't really, I don't, well, I don't want it, you know. And he kept showing me all the little bells and whistles on the bag. He was showing me the little, you know, gold-plated, you know, chain. And he was showing me the zipper. And he was showing me, you know, whatever other, you know, details it had on it. And then I looked at him and I said, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. And then I woke up. And I was talking to Pastor Gary about the dream because as much as the Lord reveals things to me, sometimes I have questions and I don't really fully understand. And he starts sharing with me the sermon that he's sharing today. And he says, I think that your husband represents Jesus. And he was like, and this pastor that you used to know represents a Pharisee-like spirit who's trying to offer you the things of the world, who's trying to point out to you that spirit of Saul, that, that, that Pharisee spirit that says, look, if you just take this, you'll look good in front of everybody. everybody you'll, I can make you look like you got everything. But in the dream, it was so awkward because all I wanted was to be next to my husband. All I wanted was for my husband to be able to give me whatever he felt in his heart he wanted to give me. I wasn't impressed with a bag. In the dream, I was like, who cares? Like, God could bless me. Like, I've been so blessed in my natural life where people have just given things over into my hand. I mean, literally. More, way more expensive than bags. That I was like, in my heart, no, I, I, God could give me this. And as get Pastor Gary is preaching, I'm thinking about the word Integrity. Integrity. See, the thing about Saul, the thing about Saul is that he was anointed. If you read the scripture, if you read that story, Saul was anointed and chosen to be king of Israel. Make no mistake, God didn't make a mistake putting him there. He was anointed and chosen for that task. But he had a choice to make. And he didn't walk with integrity in his heart. And I don't know about you, but I know when I got saved, Christ did such a miraculous work in me that my deepest ongoing prayer for the past 20 years has been, Lord, no matter what they offer me, no matter what they tell me would look good on me, no matter how big I can get or how big people tell me that I'll be in the world if I would just give away my gifts. Because the enemy will send people to notice your gift. And you'll be in that season where you're praying and you're waiting on opportunity. And if you're not careful, and if you're not a man or a woman filled with the integrity of Christ within you, you will walk into the wrong door. And you will give yourself away to a situation, to people, to a crowd that are not deserving of the gift of God within you. Your gift, your calling, in order for it to be successful In kingdom ways. Has to be laid before the altar. It has to be purified by the one who called you to it. And you have to choose to live a life of integrity. The word integrity, let me just read a portion of a definition. The state of being whole and undivided. Saul was undivided in his heart because there was something in his flesh that he craved after. It was the lust of his flesh that he said, I want that more than I want the heart of God. I want that more than I want to lead these people into God's heart. I want this more than what I know he's called me to. And so the scripture says, Mark 8, what is it? Profit a man if he gains the entire world and yet he loses his soul. I tell you this, I have been offered many, many things over the past 20 years. Opportunities that people wait a lifetime for. And I have heard the Holy Spirit say, no, I have not called you to prostitute your gift. And I know that's a strong word but God has not given me the gifts and the abilities and the talent and the anointing so that I might use it to gain the world. And I want you to know that I am fully aware that I can gain the world. I want you to know that, that I stand before you a person who is fully cognitive, that I know that if I wanted to, what I could do. But what happens is when we lose the fear of God, We step out of our place of integrity, and we get off the altar, and we say, no, I think I'm going to work this the way I think it should go. I'm a little tired of waiting. I'm a little tired of being made fun of. I'm a little tired of people telling me, well, I thought you'd be in this place already in your ministry, or I thought that maybe you'd be in that place in your job already, or girl, you got so much talent. What you doing? You sitting on that? Well, no. God's ways are not our ways. And just because you might be waiting on something, don't lose your integrity. Don't do what Saul did. God wants to prosper you, but he wants to do it in his timing. And I'm going to leave you with this scripture in Matthew Jesus, there are some things that Jesus said that were in parables and that were difficult for the disciples to understand, but this scripture was red letter. This scripture was what it was. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness, your good works before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. There's no trickery in that scripture. Be careful when you give to the poor. Read that scripture. Be careful that you're not posting that stuff on Instagram and Facebook. Don't shame that needy person that you just put food in their hand and bread in their mouth. Don't shame that person. Like Pastor Gary said, we are all, we were all given the gift of dignity. Make sure you go into your secret place and you intercede and you leave it there. Because those who go in secret, I promise you that God will reward you openly.
0: Amen. I'm going to ask for the worship team to come. And I'm going to ask for everyone to stand. Because I'm going to end in a different way than I had planned to. As I was sitting over here, the Lord showed me that there are people here, and you've been the victim of that soul spirit. Somebody has gossip against you to, because they thought you were in their way. Somebody threw some kind of spear at you. People have hurt you with their jealousy. And I, I'm going to invite you to the front, and I'm going to ask Pastor George to come and pray over you as the pastor. So if that's you, especially if you've been wounded in a church. Now, you could be like Saul. You're not going to come up because people are looking at me and I don't want nobody to see that I've had any issues. But if there's anyone bold enough to come and say, I, I've been wounded in the house of the Lord. I've been the victim of spiritual abuse, jealousy, gossip, I've been torn up by the words of, of the one who was called to love me. Maybe it was a pastor or a leader. And I, I know that Pastor George has a real heart for bringing restoration to those Who have been heard, especially by the people of God. When I go out and I talk to people who don't go to church, so many of them, even though for many people it could be an excuse, but for many they say they don't come because they got pounded. Church has got to be a safe place. So I'm going to ask Pastor George if you could just come just to minister for a second.
2: Amen, amen. You've probably heard Gary and I uh, both share a lot of different stories and let me just wrap it up this way. We we named this place the Sanctuary when we were first thinking about it and it's for that reason. We wanted it to be a safe place. We have experienced a lot of abuse. We've experienced a lot of uh, jealousy. We've experienced a lot hurt and damaged families and that's why you see building healthy families is, is across the thing and just even our name is the sanctuary, That's we want this to be a safe place and so we'll just stand as leadership and understand we're not saying that oh man we do everything better than everybody else and we're so good and we're so perfect man we've blown it, we've hurt people, we've made mistakes so we're no better but we're just standing in the place and just apologizing and just asking for your forgiveness, asking for the forgiveness that you were never given the chance to give. And so if you've been hurt, if you've been damaged, if you've been cast aside, if you've been pushed down, if you've been talked about, if you've been uh, uh, labeled, if you've been set aside, if you've been neglected, if you've been uh, all of those things, we just stand in the place and we just come to the, to the place together of forgiveness. And I just pray that you will be able to release it today. I just stand in the in the place of that oppressor for a moment, and and I just ask ask for your forgiveness. I just ask for your release. I just ask that you see me as an imperfect person. That you see me, no matter what, how you used to see me. That you would just see me as the imperfect. That you see me as as the person that's insecure too and the person that's jealous too and the person that doesn't have it all together as well and the person who's probably been hurt as well and has probably come from abuse as well. And we, can we just come to the place of forgiveness, to just the place of release? Can we just say, thank you, God, that you've put me in a safe place right now, a safe place in my life, a safe place in my walk, a safe place in my spirit. Can you just kind of receive that right now and just receive that God has you in a safe place? At this point in your walk, at this point in your life, that God has you in a safe place, that he's surrounding you if you even just look around, if you just feel the pressure of somebody next to you right now, just know that he's surrounded you with people that come from like places. And the beautiful thing about God is that he's not a respecter of persons. He's, he don't see anybody here any higher or lower. He just sees us gathering to worship him, to lift him up. And in that, he just just, uh, releases a blessing and just releases forgiveness and just releases. and, and, And Father, would you just kind of receive that today as his people, as his sons and daughters, would you receive the Father's love? I just pray that over you today, that you would receive the Father's love. Father, surround them right now. Embrace them. Embrace them and hold them. Thank you, God, that you surround us. Thank you, God, that no longer, as, as long as it's been that we've held on to this, God, that today we could release it. That we can stop it from keeping us for that we can stop using it as a crutch. That we can stop using it as a walker. That we can stop using it as a barrier, as a wall. That we can stop leaning on it. That we can stop hiding behind it. And that from this day forward, we're free to move forward. The chains are broken, the walls are torn down. You can walk lightly and walk carefully, but you have to walk. Hear that. You can walk lightly, carefully, and and and, and, and cautiously, but you have to move, you have to walk, you have to grow. You have to mature. You have to grow up. Amen? Come on, let's worship. Let's worship like grown folk. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
3: When I just sing another song, take me back to where we started. I open up my eyes. That showing are